But if you remember last week, I shared a scripture in First John. Uh, <clears throat> Brian's going to put that back up. It was First John one, and we talked about preaching last week, and about the need for real Holy Spirit preachers uh, in the earth today. And there's just a need for people who can really preach the message that God's put in their hearts. And uh, I want to read that scripture again. First John chapter one, verse one through four. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And so I wanted to talk to you about another aspect of that scripture, not just about preachers. And this is something, you know, a lot of you really responded last week and felt like God had called you to preach, preach the word in some way in your life. And I think that was really awesome. But this is another aspect. And Andy used a phrase this morning, and Andy uses this phrase a lot, so I sort of you know, trying to get de-Christianized in some way my language. Uh, and it's a phrase called telling your story. And it, the Bible calls it testimony, for all of you who like biblical terms. But if you think about, I like that word, telling your story, because if you think about the Bible, much of the Bible really is a storybook. It really is telling stories of people's lives and what God did in their lives and how God, what God did and how... They lived their lives out based on what God did. And that was really what John was saying. He was saying, we've seen something and we've heard something. We had this experience, and we're going to tell you what God did. If you ever, I would encourage you to do this. This will really bless you in reading the Gospels. Is take and read the Gospels and read it like you're reading a storybook. Forget your religious notions that we tend to get into when we read the Bible, because the enemy's always trying to put that on us as we sit down and open the Word, is to become religious. But if, we could, if you would just open the Gospels and read it like a story, just like this is a story I'm reading about somebody's life, and it really is excellent to read it like that. It really is enjoyable. It's a different way to read. Instead of just trying to read it to get doctrines and teachings or, or theology. And these are powerful stories. In fact, these are the most powerful stories there are. There's no more powerful stories than told, that's what's told in the Bible. And, uh, you know, really what God wants us to see that God, every person who has a relationship with Christ, every person who's really accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior has a story to tell. They really do. We all have a story. That's one of the things that has really blessed me about the men's meetings is hearing people's stories. You go away very edified. It's really a stroke of genius, a stroke of the Holy Spirit to have meetings where men tell each other their stories. And uh, I just was real blessed last night hearing Joe's, more of Joe's story. I heard some of it, but just hearing a man's story, hearing what God has, did in, has done in his life and how he got to where he's at today. It's just profound uh, what you find out and what you hear. It's really something that God, I really believe, wants us all to do is, is tell our story. Uh, if you'll turn over to John chapter 9, or you can look up on the screen. I got it for you. I want to read a couple of stories from the Bible, and I want to just share some insights uh, about telling your story. 
that God has given me. Because for a while, God's been speaking to me about this this subject. And I think it would be real important for us. Uh, it says, so they again, and this is a story of a man who got healed, who was born blind. And I didn't put it all up there just for the sake of time. This man was born blind, and he got healed by the Lord. And he was brought before the the people in charge, so to speak, the religious people, the Pharisees, the ones who really were calling the shots uh, spiritually in that day, they thought. They didn't know that things were getting disrupted. But they brought him before, and they began to question him. And, it's, and part of the, this is a, getting, sort of jumping into the middle of this story. It says, So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner, talking about Jesus. He answered... This is the, the man who was healed. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Isn't that just a profound, profound statement? One thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? I mean, you're sort of getting rambunctious with, the, with those guys. Like, what is you guys' problems? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. And we're the spiritual ones here now. You're hanging around this guy. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to him, Can you just imagine this guy at this moment in time? Why? This is a marvelous thing. You know, you can just see the perplexity on this guy's face when this is happening. This is a marvelous thing that you do not know, know where he's from, yet he has opened my eyes. I mean, he was just incredulous at the spiritual leaders, you know. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of a God of God and does His will, we could do a whole message this morning on that right there. A, a worshiper of God and somebody who does His will, God hears him. <laughs> you know, but I mean, that's not really the point. But that's, that's a pretty profound statement right there, really. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not forgot from God, he could do nothing. So what you see here is you, you find out one of the greatest things, this is what the enemy does, one of his greatest hindrances to us telling our story is religion. Now that's really what was happening there. Religion absolutely destroys, attacks your story. And that was really what was happening. This man, this man had a profound experience from God, a profound story to tell, and the, re, the religious leaders of his day were doing everything in their power to discredit this man's story and discredit what happened to him. And that's really the, the thing that I feel, feel like I've learned in my life is about how much religion has kept me from really being real and, and telling really what God has done in my life. That has, it's a major hindrance to overcome. And one thing the Lord really said to me, He said a couple of things to me. He said, he said, your testimony is one of your greatest talents. That's what he told me. That is one of your greatest talents that you have as a, per, as a Christian. Said that to me personally. And said, said to me, don't bury that talent. Don't bury that talent. And, and that's what really, if you study the parable of talents, you'll find that man who buried his was a very religious man. Very religious man. Don't bury your talent. 
And he also said this to me. He said, there's much more power in your story than any of your theology. And that was really what was happening in that situation. Right, This guy knew. He was a, he was a beggar. He was a man who knew nothing. He was outmatched, outwitted against these guys who were very learned. These are men who knew the Bible, the Old Testament, had it memorized, could teach on any verse at any moment. They were powerhouses as far as their knowledge of the Bible in that day. And yet this man humiliated them in a real sense because this man had a a story. He had something real that happened in his life. He didn't just have a theology. And I think many times when we begin to, to share with people, we wind up trying to give them theology instead of giving them what God's done in our lives. You, you understand what I'm saying to you? And that's religion. People don't need religion. They need, they need to relate to something that's real. People in the world need something real. They need to know there's a God who's real, and this God is powerful, and this God can do things. They don't care about, you know, the seven ways you know, to have a better marriage, so to speak, at that moment in time, unless that is the power of God being released. But we, we tend to do that. I remember... Uh, the Lord speaking to us recently about our spiritual roots. Remember that a few weeks ago during worship? There was a saying that really came forth from the Holy Spirit about reconnecting with our roots. And, you know, we tend to think about our church roots. You know what I'm saying? How we came up. But the Lord really began to, at that point, begin to bring me back to how I really found the Lord originally, you know, from the beginning, and something I hadn't really thought about in years, but let me, let me just tell you how I found God just for a second, and just tell you how real God is, and how powerful God is, because God wants us to get back to something that's real, and something that's powerful, okay, and this is really what happened, I had a, when I was unsaved, I had a theology about God, and this was my theology about God, that God is born, and then if you become a follower of Christ, you're going to, it's no fun. Because I had this person who was my brother-in-law, the guy who recently died, who used to witness to me. And one day he said, Byron, why won't you accept Christ as your Savior? And I said, Worth, the reason I won't do it, and I'm going to do it one day, Worth, when I get about 50 years old, which I'm 50, when I'm old and I'm born myself, that's what I'm going to do it. When there's no fun in it. But right now, if I follow Christ, I'm going to have to give up too much stuff that I love doing. And those things were, were... you know, an immoral lifestyle, drugs and alcohol, and they were those things were fun to me. I said, that's why I don't want to. I don't want to give these things up because I think if I do that, I have to be with this boring. You know, go go to church and be bored, be a Christian and be bored. That's what I really thought. Well, guess what happened to me? This is what happened. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but looking back, I can see what God was doing in my life. This is not long after that. One night. Uh, I had this girlfriend. We decided to go out to a club. We like we were clubbing people. I don't know what they call it. We would go out to clubs and listen to bands and you know become intoxicated and be you know be rowdy. And that's what we like to do. So, but before we ever got to the club, we indulged in drugs. You know, smoking marijuana and using other types of drugs. I can't remember what they were at the time. So by the time we got to the to the club, I mean. We were already just ruined, you know, mentally and, and emotionally because we were such under the influence of drugs. And so when you get, got to the club, decided, you know, when you're in the club, you like to smoke cigarettes and drink beer. Okay, that's what we did. So we would drink, and I would drink beer beyond measure. And that p- particular night, I drank so much beer that the room began to spin. like a, I was like on a merry-go-round. That was really what was literally happening to me in the room. Between the drinking, 
and the cigarettes and the, the marijuana and the other drugs, I was really messed up really bad as a person. So it was time to go home. We get in the car, and the world was spinning around me. This, the world is literally spinning around me. And sooner or later, you start getting motion sickness. This is really what happens to you. And I was very motion sick and wanted to throw up really bad. So we're riding down the road in this car, and I was wanting to throw up. Okay? But I realized I'm with this girl, and if I throw up, you know, that's going to be bad. <laughs> really. I mean, I just didn't want, I was too proud and too vain to throw up. Plus, I, you know, wanted to, you know, continue enjoying the evening, et cetera, and so on. And I did something. I said, God, please help me not to throw up. <laughs> and when I did, this is what happened to me. This fire came on my body. A literal heat, a little fire came down. It's like it just came right down me. And by the time it hit my feet, I went from being spent, the world spinning and out of my mind to I was 100% straight and sober. And I was 100% scared to death. Because <laughs> I knew something happened to me. Something really did happen to me. And I, it was like... I didn't, you know, forget the night, man. I was too scared to do anything. I, I, I went home and I sat down and think, this is really weird. What happened? I don't really understand what happened to me. And, but somehow in my mind, I knew God was involved in it. But I was, I was scared. I was afraid because I'd never experienced a God like that, a God that showed power, a God that answered a prayer. I had never seen God like that. I'd only seen God... And I've told you this many times, when I was growing up, preachers and pastors were the lowest level of people on earth, in my opinion. I, I, I despised them. I thought, who could it You know, nobody in their right mind would be a preacher. I mean, you have got to be worthless and sorry to do such a thing. You know, I, that was just my opinion of them, because I felt, I felt all people who went to church were fakes and phonies. I mean, that's what they were in my mind, because I'd see them at church on Sunday acting one way, and then see them out through the week in their businesses and, and life, and it's like... These people ain't real. I mean, what a joke. Who wants to do that? They're all hypocritical to me. And so, the, you know, the preacher was the leader of the hypocrites. You know? So the leader, you know, he's the worst one. But um, so I don't remember what I was even trying to say there. But, um, but I, didn't get, I didn't give my life to the Lord that moment. I, I really, I don't know why I didn't. I didn't say, oh, Lord, you're real. You're powerful. You can do this. I'm going to accept you. I didn't do it. I just was afraid. And, but what happened to me over the next few weeks is I would, I like to get high every day, so I'd smoke marijuana every day. Every day of my life, I was smoking marijuana. But this was what I found myself doing. I would smoke marijuana and get high, and then I would start thinking about God. That's what was happening to me. And I would find, literally, I would find myself reading the Bible and asking questions to God. And I was just, you know, Genesis was, I was just so infatuated, like, all right, God, you created everything, and, you, and I would think about all the universe and how I said, but I always had this question in my mind, if you did that, where did you come from? And it was a nagging question to me. Where did God come from? If God did all this, who made Him? I need to find this person who made Him. You know, that was what was really going through my mind. And then it was like I would come to my senses and think, Oh, what am I doing? I'm reading the Bible and praying. What is wrong with me? 
And that went on for a few weeks. And then finally one night, it was this moment of surrender came where I really surrendered my life to the Lord. But what I really, looking back, what I really feel like God wanted, was doing in my life when I made that statement to my brother-in-law that it's boring being a Christian. You had to give up so much to be a Christian that God came for those words. And He came, I'm going to show you that I am bigger than drugs. I am bigger than alcohol. I am bigger than immorality. I'm greater than those things. And I'm going to prove that to you. Now, that's really what He did in my life. It was, it was God's power released into my life to prove to me that He's greater than anything that I could ever desire or I'd ever want. He was the greatest thing there was. And He came to show me that. And I felt like, man, that's awesome. But what happened to me is what happens to all of us is we get away from that very thing. And we begin to live our Christian life and become religious. That's what happens to us. We become more religious than real. And the experience of God's powerful hand in my life became a dim memory over the period of time. Now, this is what happened to me. Let me tell you another little quick story that has really... The Lord's reminded me of this one recently. You know, I was instantly delivered of all drugs, all alcohol, all desire for cigarettes, all desire for immorality. I mean, it was gone. Had no desire for those things. I was, it was God because God was powerful in my life. Well, I got married, you know, and then one day I fell under a temptation. I fell under a temptation to smoke marijuana again. Some of my friends were falling away from the Lord and they were trying to convince me that, oh, you know, you can be a Christian and smoke pot. And, you know, I was saying, well, I guess you can, you know. And so this critical day came in my life where Becky and I, we were, went up to the mountains for the weekend and I got a joint. Well, I don't know what they call them today, but it's a marijuana cigarette, whatever they call them. And I had it with me. I was, we went up to the mountains and we was at this cabin that was in the middle of nowhere. And I was going to smoke that joint. Now, that marijuana cigarette for those, whatever y'all call them today, but y'all, I mean, I hope nobody here is using marijuana. But you know, I'm not in that world no more. But I had it. I had it, and it was a big old fat one, because the guy made me a big one, just, you know. And, and I, but I was a good, I was following the Lord, and I loved Becky, and I didn't want to do stuff behind her back. I wanted to, you know, so I told her, I've got this, got this joint, and I'm going to smoke it. Well, she wasn't real happy about that, to say the least. And she wasn't having those same temptations. So we talked about it, argued about it for a while, then talked about it. And then finally she said, well, I'm going to pray for you. Then you can smoke it. I said, That's great. Let's pray. <laughs> We're going to pray and I'm going to get high, you know. So Becky started praying for me. Then Becky breaks out praying in tongues. And when she did, the, the power of God came again. And I knew exactly, in my mind, I knew exactly, I knew God was talking directly to me at that moment, saying this to me. And this is what he said to me. You've got a choice to make in your life. And what you do right now is going to determine the course of your life. And I don't want you smoking that joint. That, I knew God said those three things to me. So I thought, oh, gosh, I am, <laughs> I've got to make a choice. And God doesn't want me to do this. And whatever I choose tonight is really going to affect my life. It's going to affect my future. So I took that joint, and I said, God, I really don't want to do this. I want to smoke this joint, but I want to do what you want me to do. So I took that joint, and I ripped it into pieces, as many pieces as I could get it, because I knew the next day I may feel different, and threw it into the woods. Because I knew if I threw the joint back there tomorrow morning, I'd be out there looking for that joint. To smoke. <laughs> I knew that. 
Because I didn't want to throw it away. And when I threw it away, it killed me to throw it away. My flesh was on fire to smoke that thing. And guess what? Nothing happened. I woke up the next morning. My flesh was still hungering to smoke that joint. And for about the next couple of weeks, I wake up every morning just, just, you know, I got this temptation to smoke a joint. But one day I woke up and it was gone. Gone. And it has never, ever, ever, by the glory and grace of God, I've never been tempted to smoke a joint again. And I've been around it. But, you know, so when a person comes to me and argues about tongues, they are flat arguing up the wrong tree, man. <laughs> Because I can say, you give, throw whatever scripture you got at me. But baby, I know God saved my life using the gift of tongues. He saved my life. It's the truth. So people with a theology can't stand against a person who's experienced God's power. So you can say stuff. If you go experience with God, just like that man up there in John 9, people don't have a chance. If you've really experienced God, and you may have a difference in opinion about tongues, that's not the point. The point is, is God spoke to me. I heard Him speak to me. And that's what we need. That's the power of God. See, one moment God delivers me instantly. The next moment He just speaks to me and says, this is what I want to do. You make the choice, son. And you're going to have to walk it out a little bit here. It's going to hurt a little bit. God's power comes in different ways. Um... I've, I've found recently, this is what I found recently. I'm sharing the Old Testament, but this is what I found. This is what the Lord said. Byron, you know what's wrong with you? This is what he said to me. You're like Martha. You're worried and troubled by a lot of stuff. That was why that was ministering to me so much this morning. And I said, well, yeah, i got all these problems, Lord, in my life that I've got to solve. Serious problems that need, need solutions, need answers. I, help God, please. He said, you're just worried about stuff so much, and it's destroying you. It's killing you. So you go and you join with other people to pray and you're miserable because you've got all these problems. And I'm going to show you how to solve problems, how you can solve your problems. He started giving me dreams. I mean, he gave me dreams and he said, gave me a couple of like, dreams about people. He told me exactly what was going on in their life. Guess what? It was exactly what was going on in their life. Exactly. Knew it. Then he started giving me some dreams about these problems and said... This is what you need. And then this is what he showed me. You don't have to worry about stuff. You can go to bed and sleep, and I'll tell you what to do. That's the power of God. You can sleep on it. You don't have to be smart to figure this out. You don't have to work, work yourself to death. That's allowing God to do what God does. He can give you answers to your problems when you're laying in your bed at night. See, I wasn't catching it at first. I was just saying, you know, the Lord's starting to give me dreams. Hey, them dreams are acting big. You better pay attention. (laughs) See, I'm sort of the kind of person like this. God starts doing something, and, you know, it's like, wait a minute. God's doing something, and I'm missing it. You know, we need each other to sort of reset each other. So I I did want to share this one scripture, Psalm 22, verse 5. Just uh, something that really spoke to me. It It says, they cried out to you and were delivered. Okay? They trusted in you and were not ashamed, or that word could be translated disappointed. And I saw a girl recently that I knew back when I was being in my other life, when I was 17 years old, 18 years old. And I I was talking to her. She's at my brother-in-law's funeral. And she said, you don't recognize me, do you? I said, not really. And she told me who she was. And I remembered this girl. 
the difference between me and that girl was this. That girl had continued doing that stuff that I was doing then. Okay? And that girl was a beautiful young lady when I knew her. And she, you could still see behind all the years of drug abuse and immorality and alcohol, that beautiful girl was still there, but her face, her life was destroyed. Destroyed. And I knew right then, I remember that testimony. Here I am, 50 years old. That's my testimony. As I cried to the Lord and He delivered me, I trusted in Him and I have not been disappointed. Now, there's been days of disappointment in my life. But when I look back over my last 30 years of my life, I'm not disappointed in God. And that's the truth. Because God's faithful. God's true what God says. It really is. And I realized in that young lady, she said, when I, when I visit church, a church, I'm coming to your church. I said, well, I'll tell you what, you come to my church, you come right here and sit with me and Becky. And we'll love you. And we'll invite you into our lives. And I can tell you, you know, because I've got something I, that you can have. And I just think, you know, religion, religion will destroy. It will destroy. And one of the ways religion, I really believe, enters in, at least in my life, is through worry, anxiety, and anxiousness. You know, that's sort of a landing pad for the religious spirit. Yeah, get religious. Go complain and whine with all these, you know, your, your pastor buddies. That's not what God's called us to do. You ever been in a meeting, praying, and you're thinking, this is not what we should be doing? Because we ain't believing God. We ain't crying out to God in a way that we believe God wants to move. We're more like whining, a bunch of whining guys sitting around in a room whining. I, think, I don't want to do that in my life. That's religion. And where's the God of power in this deal? But I wanted to read another scripture to you. It's Mark chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. It says, and this is the guy who had the legion of demons. Remember, Jesus, this old guy was, hey, this guy, I was, he was so, had, had so much power that he could break chains. That's what it, the Bible says. He could break the chains, rip the shackles. It says, no man was strong enough to hold him down. And he wound up going up and living in the, in the tombs and, in the, you know, out in the wilderness and cry, he said he would cry out at night and cut himself. He was just a really, really terrible man. He had a legion of demons, a bunch of demons. And the Lord took all the demons out, I remember, and threw them into the hogs, and the hogs went over the, you know, went and fell into the water and made a big deal, you know. But here this demon-possessed man, and, and this is talking about Jesus. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Lord, please let me... I mean, of course He would. Jesus just changed His life. Can you imagine being that messed up in your life and you were instantly set free? Well, heck, whoever did that, I'm with you, baby. We are hanging out. Begged Him, I want to be with you, Jesus. You know? However, Jesus did not permit Him. I mean, when I read that, I thought, good Lord, what is wrong with you, Jesus? You know? But said to Him, listen, go home to your friends. That's with the Lord. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how He has had compassion on you. Isn't that profound? Go tell them. Go tell everybody, God, look, look at me. I was really the guy who could beat everybody. <laughs> Ain't none of you guys. And I walked around naked screaming, and now look at me. I'm in my right mind. This is what the Lord has done for me. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. That was his home. All that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now, you think about it a minute. You think if somebody came into church like that and somehow we connected into the power of God like we, it shouldn't be somehow, but we say we did. They got instantly healed. 
Change, their life was instantly changed. Okay, now, here's what you've got to do. You know, you've got this Bible study regimen, and you can't go talk to anybody. And, you know, we would put that person under so much weight, you know, before we would let him even open his mouth. We wouldn't give him a chance to tell his story. And that's what Jesus was fussing at Pharisees. You load these people down with stuff. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't teach the people the Bible. That's another story. I mean, especially for all you preachers, you need to learn the Bible. But I'm just saying, you know, um, you don't need to be an expert in the Bible or an expert in theology to tell your story. Forget all that stuff. Just tell people what God's done in your life. You don't need to know, you know... Romans chapter 5, 6, and 6. You don't need to understand all that. I mean, not to tell your story. I think Romans 5, 6, and 7 is a great thing to understand. I love Romans 5, 6, and 7. But you don't need to know all that to be able to tell your story. All you need to do is have a story. All you need to do is have had this experience of God and go tell people about your experience. And be like the blind man. Well, all I can tell you is I was blind, but now I see. You might have all the theology and can wear me out with it. You understand what I'm saying to you? But see, that keeps a lot of people because they don't feel like, I don't know enough to tell him. You know, I, you know, they give all these excuses. Here's the greatest. This is what the Lord's been speaking to me about evangelism. Successful evangelism. I came up with a formula for successful evangelism. I know you're not supposed to have fun. But I think this is a pretty good one. Successful evangelism equals, all right, for you mathematicians, God did something in your life, okay, plus... You're filled with the Holy Ghost because the Bible says in Acts 1-8 that God filled us with the Holy Ghost so we could be witnesses. Right? That's pretty biblical. Plus, God shares His heart with you for the lost. Those three things. If you've got that, you can be the most rambunctious evangelist that ever was. The Bible says, as, as our brother shared, Nathaniel, freely you have received, freely give. You've got something to give if God's done something in your life. You've got something to give. Now, here's the key. You've got to have a love for for these people. But God loves them people. God loves everybody. And you, here's the way it works. This is simple. The Bible says we first love God because God loved us first. So we receive love from God, which causes us to love God. And then because we are doing the first commandment, the second commandment automatically happens, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Do y'all understand that? It's really easy. It's just receiving. Receive something from God. Receive God's love. And this is what Watchman Nee says in the normal Christian worker, better known as the character of the Lord's worker. That's the modern version of that book. He says, if you just love the people in your family or you just love people in the church, you are not fit to serve the Lord. You've got to love all men because Christ died for all men. God loves all men. And we can't limit our love to just oh, those three or four people around us or just the people in the church. Well, we just love Christian people. We've got to love everybody. God loves everybody. And He wants to share that love. We, we had an uh, experience. I had an experience recently. <laughs> Let me tell you another testimony right quick. This happened three weeks ago. We had church. It was great. Church was awesome. Worship was awesome. I was sort of like that guy. Hey, let me just stay here. And I just let me stay here and be with you, Lord. But we didn't. We went out to lunch at Benny's Restaurant in Mooresville. Y'all know where Benny's is? And that just happened to be the day that everybody who owned a Harley Davidson within 50 miles of Mooresville came to Benny's. 
So we were in Vinnie's with all these biker club guys. And these were not outlaw bikers. There was probably a couple outlaw bikers. These were just guys in a motorcycle club. So there are all these guys in a motorcycle club with their boots on, you know, and, you know, all that stuff. It was a good time, really. I mean, they were having a blast in there. They were having church. That was their church. That was their fellowship. I asked one of the guys, I said, y'all some kind of club? He said, well, kind of. He said, we just make a couple phone calls. We're going to ride today. And next thing you know, this person calls this person, calls that person. They're all together in there. So we're sitting in there with David Helton and Art and Asha and Donna Culler, myself and Becky, having a great time of fellowship, listening to music and asking David Helton questions about music. I mean, I'm just having a really good fellowship time with the brethren. And then all of a sudden, I realized there was somebody standing behind me that was bothering me. And that somebody was the Lord. And I started looking behind me because I kept feeling this presence behind me. But there was nobody there. So, I, you know, I got real started getting restless. What am I, you know, what's going on here, Lord? You know, God was there. God was there just as much as He was here or anywhere. He was there. And He was letting me know, I'm here, Byron. I'm here. And I saw some people standing over in this thing, and they were standing over. I thought, well, I'll just get up and walk over there and stand. See what's going on over there. Walked over there, and there was a guy who happened to be an employee of Denny's standing there. And they were people go and look at the lake and drink their beer, you know, smoke their cigarette. That's what they were doing. And I was standing behind side the guy. I said, "Boy, this looks nice, doesn't it?" He said, "Yeah, this is great, man. This is blankety blank great." <laughs> and I looked down my nose. I said, "You work here, man?" He had a Vinny shirt. He said, "Yeah, man. My blankety blank name is Trevor Wicker." <laughs> Now, if you're a smith, that don't mean anything. But if you're a wicker, that means something. Because there ain't a lot of wickers in this world. You know, you can go to Sanford, North Carolina, and find a few. That's where they're sort of... There ain't many around here. You look in the phone book. So I thought, wait, this must be God. I'm supposed to talk to this man. And I said, really? He said, blankety-blank, yes. I said, you ain't going to believe this. My name is Byron Wicker. Byron Wicker, no blankety-blank. You're kidding me. <laughs> so I was sitting there thinking, Lord, what in the world am I supposed to do with this guy? Am I supposed to tell him something or what? He, every other word was a cut, and it was not just, it was nasty cuss words. I mean, the kind you, your kids, you get your kids, uh-uh, don't listen to that. I'm talking about the four-letter kind that, you know, talks about stuff that shouldn't be said in a good way. It was nasty. He was nasty. And we talked for a bit, and he said, Yeah, and my daddy owns the cabaret club down blankety-blank Charlotte, and you can come there anytime you want to. For those of you innocent people who don't know the cabaret club, it's a famous topless joint downtown Charlotte. You can come. Come on, man. You're my kin. And I thought, Lord, am I supposed to say something to this man? I feel like the Lord said, No, I don't want you to say anything to that man. I just wanted you to see this man. So I went and sat down thinking, what in the world, Lord? What in the world's going on here? I was disturbed at that moment, real disturbed. You know, because the devil was condemning me. He needs to get saved. That's the devil telling me that. He needs to get saved. Why didn't you say something? Some cr- You're a pastor and you didn't lead that man to Christ? And you know, you got this condemnation working on you. You got the Holy Spirit sitting over there saying... No, nah, that ain't me. That ain't me. That ain't me. Don't listen to that. <laughs> listen, I'm trying to... There's something bigger at stake here. So I sat there a few more minutes, and then I thought, oh, i got to get up again, Lord. I mean, i got to get this worked out here. So I walked back over there, and there was a couple, couple of the bikers there. 
So I started talking to him. And I said, yeah, I'd love to have a Harley, man. Yeah, you would? I, yeah, but Becky won't let me. <laughs> My wife. Y'all seen that commercial on television? The guy pulls up the gas station getting gas, and these two guys, this guy and this gal pull up on Harleys. They're putting gas. Yeah, I was going to get a Harley, you know, but I had to make a choice between a Harley and a dining room set. <laughs> and this real gorgeous girl on the Harley sitting there looking at the guy with her black leather coat on, and, and but I, ch- I had to get the dining room set. I thought, that's me. I'm the dining room set guy. <laughs> the guy said, here's what you do, man. Get your wife a Harley. Get hers first. Get her riding, you won't have a problem. <laughs> that's what he said to me. I, was pretty, I thought, that's pretty interesting. And that's sort of when I found out all the information about the biking club. And I was asking, Lord, am I supposed to say something to these people? No. No, you're not. So it got time to leave. I went back. I talked to him for a few minutes, sit down, and got ready to leave. Later, dude. Later. Get that Harley, man. Get that Harley. Talk to her about that. <laughs> you know, these, this guy, one of them was from Albemarle. One of them was from uh, Rock somewhere, Rockwell. I mean, they weren't just... But this, and then, then David Helton and I went out there, and all these guys right there, Harleys, woo, woo, you know, doing all that. We were like, man, this is great. Look at us out here in the middle of all these Harleys. And, you know, we could do something here. I realized, God, I could reach those people. That's what he was saying. God was saying, I love those people, Byron. That's what I want you to see. You didn't have to say, I just want you to know that I cared about old Trevor there. That I was willing to let you connect with this person that I really love. Because, Byron, don't you remember when you were not, when you were at Walk With Me, don't you remember how your mouth was, what came out of your mouth, every other word? I thought, well, it must be a family thing. Because <laughs> that's the way I used to talk. God really cared about those people. And I realized in me, I realized there was something in me. There was something in me that could reach those people. I realized they don't want to hear something from some pastor. Well, oh, come on to church. They don't need to hear that. They need to hear about the power of God. They need to know my story. This is what God did in my life, man. You know, somehow that God would give you an opportunity to share it. I was telling Becky, I think I could actually have a ministry in clubs. I really do. I was, but I was watching all these different clubs on television, and I thought, well, I could never go in these yuppie clubs because I'm no yuppie. But I could go in a club with a bunch of motorcycle guys, just, you know, regular old guys that are just heathens. I could, I've got something to give them. I was a heathen. God did something in my life. Whatever you are, you're a cowboy. You've got something to tell the cowboys that are dying. You know, that's really the truth. You've got a testimony. You've got a story of God's power in you. And He wants to share that with those people because He cares about those people. I was thinking, I could start a church over here at Benny's on Sunday afternoon. I'll be honest with you. I thought, man, this is better than church. Because I felt the heart of God towards people. And I knew God had done something in me. And I knew I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, so I knew I can reach them. I can reach these people with the gospel. I really can. But what I've got to do is give them what God's given me. The experiences, the life that God has imparted to me. Let me read one more scripture to you. Uh, Oh, I wanted to mention uh, Philippians 2.25. I remember I shared that to you with you a few months ago. Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. I really believe there's an emphasis right now in the spirit realm on the second commandment. You know, the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. 
Now, I believe there's always an emphasis on the first, where the first must be first. It's to love God first. But I believe God is saying to the church, now, I want you to start loving people. I want you to love me. Yeah, always love God. That was a great teaching for years. It should have been. It needs to still be a good teaching. That we are to love God with all our heart and that passion. But God is saying something about lost people now. He's saying, I want you to love them people like I love them. I died for those people. I died for them. You've got something they need. You. It's not your religion. It's not your doctrine. It's your, the power of God in you. Yeah, you got a problem with cigarettes? Baby, God can overcome cigarettes. You got a problem with drinking? God can overcome drinking. You got a problem with sex? God can overcome. I can tell you that. I'm not just saying from theory. That's what they need to hear. Somebody who's walked it. That's why John said, we're going to tell you about this because this happened to us. We're going to share it with you so you can come into this joy and have this fellowship. That's the gospel message. All right, the last scripture, I know it's late. John chapter 4, verse 28. Everybody knows this great scripture about the woman at the well. Uh, it says, the woman, in verse 28, the woman then, after the Lord witnessed to her, the woman left her water pot, went in her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Prophetic thing. Some people say she was stretching, you know, stretching it. I don't know about that. I mean, all the important things, all the husbands living with the guy. Could this be the Christ? Now, something happened there, spiritual. If somebody walks into a city and says, uh, t- I come see a man that told me everything I ever did, could this be the Christ? Right. No, there was something that transpired in this woman's life that when those people heard it, they thought, we better go check this out. There's something real going on here. There was a passion in her voice. There was a reality in her voice. She wasn't talking from, uh, you know, secondhand experience. She wasn't talking from what they said on Sunday at church. She was talking from, this happened to me. And it affected the people. We need to get that. And then down in verse 39, so leaving a bunch of stuff out, it says, uh, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. So right there you have people getting saved just because of her testify. What she said, he told me all they ever did. So you see, that's what will happen to people. When we begin to share what God's done in our life, people will get saved. But that's not the end of it. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Okay? So this is what I, the other thing we need to understand about the story God's given. Our story is not the end. It's, not, it's a means to an end. In other words, that woman could have gone back up to Samaritan with the passion, with the fire of God in her that God did with her and started a church up there. Okay? Because she had something. She had something going for her. But she didn't. She said, I want you to come see him. Let's go see him. And see, that's really what we had to keep in our hearts that you ever heard y'all have heard this story this is an old timey story about the one eye the two, two there was two beggars blind I actually part of it's in the Bible first one comes to Jesus one day and says Lord I want you to he's, what you want me to do for you he says I want you to if you just heal one of my eyes God that's all I want you to do you sure you just want me to heal one of your eyes that's what Jesus said to the man now that part's not in the Bible yeah just one of them that's all God so he said be done to you according to your faith the guy had a blind eye healed. It was awesome. And this man goes out and starts a great church. Has an awesome move of God because he had a real experience of God. 
Then another day, another guy comes, a blind guy, and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, I just want to be able to see. You want to be able to see? Yes, just heal my eyes. Eyes, plural. So the Lord heals his eyes. Great miracle. He goes over to the town and sees this church this other guy started. Goes to this church. Goes in there. The one-eyed guy is up there preaching. And he says, hey, that's pretty cool. But you know what? The Lord can heal two eyes. They call the preacher. Hey, this guy's coming up with some new doctrine here we've never heard before. <laughs> we ain't never heard that God healed two eyes. This is the church one-eye healing. You know what I'm saying? That's heresy. The preacher, you, we've never heard this is contrary to Scripture. This is God doesn't heal the one eye, man. You are teaching heresy when you say He heals two eyes. And I think that's the way a lot of our religion is. Is we're like these one-eyed people. You know, God, we experience God, and we build this whole theology and doctrine around that. And somebody else shows up with something greater or something different, and we want to reject them. That can't be God, because that, that didn't happen to me. And the way you keep that from happening is this. You know, the Lord Himself is the thing in our story. He's the one who made the story. He's the one we've got to ultimately get people to, is the Lord. And when we get... And that was... I, this is my last testimony, okay? I was going to... I had accepted to come pastor this church. This is it. The decision is made. God has spoken. I'm going to do it. Certain person named Donna Culler comes in with a smart aleck question. Well, how, what are you going to do to help them people? I had this big answer in my mind. I was ready for that question. I got ready to answer that question, and something else came out of my mouth. And I'm, when, I'm, when it's coming out, I was like shocked. Well, I know how I'm going to help those people. I'm going to get those people to God, and He's going to help them. I'm just going to get them to God. That was not my answer I had, but that was God's answer. And that's really what God's answer is for everybody. How are you going to help somebody? Well, we are going to lead that person to the Lord. We're going to help them find Jesus. And once they find Jesus, well, hey, that's, Jesus can do whatever He wants to do to help that person. You understand that? That's very critical and very crucial for us, especially... Well, in all of it. So, I believe there's lives and ministries that are built on just your story and not built on the Lord eventually fall to legalism, eventually fall to, you know, heresy, cult kind of deals. You know, fall, they fall away. It doesn't work. You know, we've got to get them to the Lord. I just want to, you know, make sure in all I'm saying to you today that, you know, because I'm preaching a, you know, a, a, a Christian experience, a Christian story, but it's got to, got to take us to Jesus. Jesus has to be it. So, you know, anyways, what I wanted to do, just a couple things, and, you know, for those who want to respond to an altar call this morning, um, here's a couple things I felt. First of all, the, I think there, and it's obvious to me what the Lord was doing in worship this morning, about people being worried and troubled. If you have worry and trouble in your life, we want to pray for you this morning. If you're, if you're that kind of, if you're Martha this morning, you're worried and troubled about lots of things, and it can be spiritual things. Or it can be not so spiritual things. But I think God wants to speak to that in you because that's really destroying your life is being worried and troubled. Okay? That's one thing. So if you would just go ahead and start coming out here, Andy. Can you play some music for us? If you're one of those people who are worried and troubled by many things, please come up. We want to pray for you. It's really important. All right, the other thing, and this doesn't really fit anything I said, but it's really true, is financial anointing. This is great. This is a great testimony from the men's meeting last night. Uh, 
you know, we had these hot dogs that cost four bucks a plate, which is a good deal. Hot dogs and bratwurst and slaw and buns and drinks and cookies and potato chips. What I couldn't figure out is we went to the Seder dinner the night before and had a, an elaborate meal for $3 a plate. Thinking, hang, what kind of deal is this? <laughs> you know. Anyways, I just thought I'd give. But Dean said, listen, we ain't going to charge for this food. We're going to take up an offering for this food and give the money to somebody. That's cool, Dean. Great. I hope you get 40 bucks. There's 14 guys there. So we have the time, and I want to, you know, Cameron walks out there. I, me and Cameron go out there, and we're sitting on the porch trying to process the old man dream dreams kind of thing. You know, that's what some of the things we talked about. Dean goes and takes up his offer and comes out there of his right, his pot, you know, he's carrying. Y'all want to get, I don't have no money. Cameron didn't have no money. Sorry, Dean, we'll give you some tomorrow if you don't get enough. Good luck. I, you know, whoever you're going to give that money to, I hope they got, it may, give them, it may fill their tank up in their car, you know, it would be nice. Can I say how much or not, Dean? Can I say how much or not? 200 bucks for 14 guys. I, I thought, 202 dollars. And that didn't include me and Cameron. We weren't given. We didn't have no money. But I felt like the Lord was saying He wants to release people who have a calling financially. Because there's people who, in God's, God's work needs to be financed. And there's people that have an anointing to do that. And I saw that, a little piece of that anointing last night to do kingdom things. In that particular case, I'm not sure who Dean gave it to. I don't need to know. I don't even care today. It was something that God wanted to do which made it a kingdom thing. Who's going to get $200 for a bunch of hot dogs, man? I mean, you know, that was God doing that. God wants to release. And if you feel like you have that color in your life, I want you to come up here. And it's not like so you can give the money all to the church. We'll take a little bit of it, you know. And you can take some of it. And be blessed with your family and your home. God wants to do that. That's cool, man. You should be it. But God wants to raise up people who got money to give to God's work. He really does. That's really a true thing. And I know. I'm glad to see you coming because if you want, and I was coming after you, John Crowley, because I think you had that anointing on your life. But I think it's a real anointing. So I got all these people out here. These are real sort of positive kind of things. But really what I want to say, this, this is my last one, so you can sort of mix in with the rest of us, okay? If you this morning are in immoral sexual things, God wants to deliver you. Because I shared how God delivered me, and when I shared that, God was releasing power to be released. Or if you are into drugs, if you are into marijuana or alcohol, and you're doing that, and you're doing it, and you think God is crummy and, and boring and stuff, God's releasing the power this morning to deliver you. There's power to be delivered from drugs. There's power to be delivered from alcohol. There's power to be delivered from tobacco, cigarettes, cigars, you know, cigarellos, you know, whatever they are. God really wants to do this stuff this morning. And if you want to get free from those things, an immoral lifestyle, God is saying, I'm bigger than that stuff, and I can do it for you. Yeah. And I want to invite you to come up and, so nobody's going to know you. They may think you're here for the financial anointing. You know, that's all right, because I don't want to embarrass people. You know, if you're, into, if you're into pornography and you need to be delivered this morning, the power of God is here to deliver you. Hey, if you're into homosexuality, 
God's power is here to deliver you of that. I just am just saying to you this morning, the power of God is here to help people, to show, to prove to people. And the last thing, if you really want to be a person who, who tells the story, who witnesses to people and, 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 and a, in a power of God way, an evangelist in a power of God way, I think God wants to release that also this morning. I think God wants to release these things and do these things for His people, you know, today. And so we want to ask the Lord to do that and, and pray down that, you know, power. Ask God to release it upon us so our lives can be changed and set free because it's so important. The world really needs Jesus, but it don't need the Jesus of religion. It needs the real Jesus, the Jesus that lives in me and you, who's alive in us and has something to say and has done something in us. That's the Jesus they need. So I, I'm not going to pray to lay hands on everybody. I'm just going to pray and believe God. And you can just receive, receive. If you just maybe open your hands or however you do it. And Lord, we are just coming to you this morning. You have just really blessed us and spoken to us through your music and through different ways today, Father. And we're believing, Lord, that you are asking us to do something. Uh, we're, we believe you're asking us to get back to your power. And, Lord, there's people that are standing up here today that are, are trapped in sin, Lord, and need the power of God to release them and break that over them. And, Lord, I just want to declare, as you, you delivered me from sin, the sinful lifestyle, I'm asking you to do that to these folks today. In Jesus' name, break addictions, Lord. Break addictions right now. Break the power of cravings for immoral sexual things break the power of any kind of adulterous or fornicating type sexual activity over people today Lord break it Lord you can do that God you did it in me and I was just addicted to immoral immorality Lord Lord you instantly set me free why wouldn't you not instantly set someone else free today from that stuff Lord from alcohol from just intoxication the need to be intoxicated, the empty feeling that people have in their hearts, God, that causes them to drink, to feel the emptiness, to feel the hurt, Lord. You can instantly heal that and fill that spot, Lord. Lord, for drugs, Lord, the power, Lord, it could be cocaine or heroin or any drug, prescription drugs. The Lord is greater than all of them. And He can heal the thing in you that caused you to run to that. He can heal addictions. I ask you to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the people standing here that really want to be evangelists. I mean, real evangelists. Not this old religious stuff that feel like they have to go do something because they feel condemned about it. But Lord, they have a passion in them like the woman at the well. God did something. I've got to go, got to go share this. I feel that God has done something. I feel God's love for you. I've got to say it. I've got the Holy Spirit on me. I'm going to tell you. Lord, I pray for that kind of evangelist. The power evangelist, Lord. And lead people to you, Lord Jesus. I ask you to release that upon us, Lord, that we could really become the evangelist that you've called us to be, God. That we could go into a hurting world all around us, all over the world and lead people to the man Christ Jesus. I ask you for that anointing to come today. I ask you for that mantle to be placed on every one of us who really wants it and desiring it, looking for it. The mantle of evangelism, power evangelism, Lord. 
Lord, we ask you to give us that today in Jesus' name. And you'd teach us how to do it. You would show us what to say and when to not say. And God, just do that in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for those who have a financial calling, Lord, this morning. That there's a financial anointing coming, Lord. And you're going to raise up men and women who have great skills and finances to be able to make money and produce wealth for your kingdom, Lord. And Lord, I just want to pray for those who you've called to do that, who you have destined to do that. That you would release that upon them right now in Jesus' name. You would release wisdom and skill and finances that's supernatural. And I pray that you would quieten their mind and quieten their experience. They would begin to hear the Holy Spirit speak to them. Speak to them in dreams and visions. Lord, give people in here strategies in the night of, of inventions or, or financial deals or whatever they may be involved in to be able to go do it and see great wealth flow and flow into your kingdom, Lord. Cause them not to grip it. Cause them to know how much it's supposed to go, where it's supposed to go. Lord, we want to release them to give wherever you want them to give. We, we want them to be really good stewards, Lord, of your money, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that they wouldn't be religious. They, could, they and their families could enjoy the benefit of it, of the money that you'll give them. That they could really enjoy it and begin to do stuff that they couldn't do otherwise because of it. Thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, for the last people in here is they're worried and troubled about many things, Lord. Lord, I just know that you have not called us to be worried and troubled, that you want to teach us how to receive from you easily. I'm asking you for that today, Lord Jesus, that us in here could really receive, freely receive, through dreams, visions, prophetic words, just practical wisdom, Lord, to be able to receive information, knowledge from God. Lord, I ask you to release the gifts of the Spirit to people that they can employ those gifts in being worried and troubled, Lord. scripture I read earlier, that man said, people who worship God and obey Him. Okay? I believe everybody in this room this morning is a worshiper on some level. But we're not all obeyers. And, and all I want to say, listen, just give what you have. Okay? Just give what you have. Don't try to give something you don't have. Give what you have. And it takes faith, it takes being, you know, nervous, but if you'll just give whatever God's given you, and it may seem little or insignificant to you. You know, some of the greatest people that 
They have some of the greatest impact is, is they've just given what they had and changed the world. One last little story. Okay? I was at this pastor's meeting recently and I was really disappointed in the pastors and what was happening there. And a guy shared, we were talking about preaching actually about how bad of preachers we all are. And this guy was talking about this message he preached. And he said, I preached this message and it was the worst message I ever preached in my life. And I was, in, I was distraught about it. And I walked outside and I was talking to one of my buddies in the church and said, was it as bad as I feel like it is? And he said, I have no clue what you even said, man. It was that bad. It was awful. And he was just crushed. The next day, he had a, a meeting with someone, you know, scheduled meeting. And the guy came to him and he said, I want to tell you what happened after your message Sunday. I went home and confessed to my wife adultery. And I've repented. And we're committed to having a marriage. And I said, Lord, that's what you want. You can have the most eloquent speakers in the world. But what you want is when somebody says something, it does something. Somebody repented of adultery. And their marriage got saved. And it's still saved to this day, by the way. That was a year and a half ago, I think you said. And I believe that's the power of God. Many times we may not know, and we may feel awful about what we've done. But the power of God is God. It's not us. And if we just give what we have, I, don't, I mean, we need to try to do good at stuff. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't try to do good at it, but let's, let's trust in the power of God. Let the power of God come. Let's ask Him. Let's all cry. Lord, we ask You for Your power this morning. None of this is going to work without Your power, God. We're powerless, Lord. We cry out to You. Yes, Lord. We want to be empowered to witness. We want to be empowered to make money. We want to be empowered to overcome worrying thoughts and sex and drugs and alcohol. We want power, God, to do that. Bring your power today in Jesus' name. Bring your power to us. Release it, God. Let's be desiring power, not eloquence and respectability. Lord, I ask you that for every person in Jesus' name. Amen.